Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the title of today's message is, What Do You Believe? Now, this isn't going to be all that long of a podcast, but it's something the Lord put on my heart, and it actually coincides with everything else I've talked about recently. It's very detailed yet simple, and I recommend downloading it for reference just because you might want to play it a few times in order to absorb it all. You can find the link for the podcast on my About page, or you can go to my blog at innocenceredeemed.blog, which is in the video description, to find links for all the other platforms um, you can hear the podcast on. You know, as part of the Humbling series I've been working on now for the last number of weeks, I began to notice a pattern where some who are in unfortunate situations begin to start believing the worst and actually declaring negative beliefs. You might recall in the last podcast I talked about bearing good fruit and that if we don't, we, as the branches, are going to be pruned so that we begin to bear good fruit if we're not already doing so. You may be doing one thing or many things right, but other areas need work. And you might recall in the oil episode, I said that when the Lord is silent, it is sometimes because of his mercy. He is showing us something. How many have stopped to consider it is their attitude, mouth, or wrongful thoughts as one of those things he's trying to show you? Now, you might be saying, ouch, Ray. I mean, I've done that. You know, indeed, we've all been guilty at one time or another of saying things we shouldn't, especially when a test or a trial blindsides us. You know, things might be going right in our lives, and then bam, we encounter a situation that really tries our faith. You know, they come out of nowhere, and they sideswipe us. Ladies and gentlemen, it has happened to me so many times, let me just tell you that you are not alone if you are feeling somewhat guilty over this right now. You know, sometimes you might be waiting for an answer to a prayer, or a number of prayers, and when the answers are delayed, you start to become frustrated. You know, some of you might even go as far as thinking that the answers will never come if you've been waiting a while. The danger here is, when you start to think that way, you may begin declaring that very thing out loud to yourself. And you may not even necessarily say it out loud. If you get into a pattern of wrong ways of thinking, then you are convincing yourself to believe the enemy's lies. You know. Is it rude to suggest that if you believe the lies of Satan over the promises of God, that you will reap the lies and negativity over the blessings that the Lord otherwise would have had in store for you? You see, this is a very crucial point to consider, especially now as we are entering into a season of lack in many ways. And we're being shown that we're entering that season of lack. We're going to need to understand how we counteract what we are seeing versus what we believe for. And we need to remember, as it is written in Hebrews 11 verse 1, that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And this isn't just in the promise of salvation. I want everyone to think about this point for a moment, because if we don't know how to believe the Lord correctly now, are we going to remain faithful to him when the times are anything but normal? or? are we going to be part of the falling away? 
you know, you may not like me presenting it in this way, but that's a very real question we need to contend with now before things get ugly. And let's face it, many of us are seeing that the times are anything but desirable at the moment. But we are to endure as believers. You know, to put it in a more simplified fashion, we believe for salvation. And so if we believe for redemption in Jesus, then we need to ask ourselves why we shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to other things that we are believing to receive. Now, to those of you who have been listening for a while, do y'all remember the podcast I did with Glinda when I talked about being faithful in the small things? You know, I wasn't just talking about works alone. That also pertains to believing for even the smallest of things. You see, it all goes hand in hand. Now, I'm just getting warmed up here, but I just want to appeal to you, the listener, to be careful about what you say. Because just like when you recite a verse from the Bible and believe it, and, you know, let's just say, for example, a verse counteracting lack, such as Psalm 23, verse 1, I shall not want, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. On the flip side of the coin, if you begin reciting the opposite, or if you begin reciting negativity, after a while, you're going to begin to believe it. And if you believe for very little, then very little is what you're going to end up receiving. Because in that case, you would be being faithful to the enemy and not the Lord's promises as they are written. You know, when we look at John chapter 10, verse 10, this verse is very instrumental on this very point. For Jesus said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So, what does that verse say to you? Jesus wasn't just referring to spiritually after life on earth. It applies to both in the earthly just as much as it does after we are no longer here. For those who receive him and his word, his promises. You know, I referenced Matthew 12 when it came to the vine in the last episode, but I only gave the basic parable that Jesus taught. So today I want to expand on our beliefs. And not just our beliefs, but the words that can come out when a situation that is anything but desirable arises in our lives. This is all part of the humbling and learning. We can't learn if we don't humble ourselves before the teacher and behave and listen. You know, this is what I meant when I said the Lord is calling his children in from the playground. Recess is over. The Lord has something to say, something to teach us. Remember that he is. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And if our faith is lacking, he is going to show us that. If there are kinks in our walk at times, he's going to say, my child, I love you, but there's a few creases and kinks in those garments we still need to work out. I'm giving you some homework to do. Work with me and I will help you. You know, we might think it's cruel or strange, but you have to try to see past what's in front of you that it is his mercy. You know, he's walking us through strenuous situations now to refine our endurance. And we have to see past the troubles and stay focused on him because it's going to be the same in the storm, folks. If we're focused on that storm, we're going to sink or get blown away because we don't have a strong foundation in him. 
this is why the word says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it a great opportunity for joy. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the moment because sometimes the trials of our faith can sideswipe us, like I was just saying a moment ago. I have personally experienced many instances where something difficult comes up and it catches me off guard. And then I begin to whine or grumble. But, you know, the moment I catch myself doing that, I pray on it and I say, well, Lord, it is what it is. But if this is your will that I learn something from it, then I will embrace what you're trying to show me. You know, part of these tests are to see if we will remain faithful to him as the going gets tough. You know, you might say, Lord, why are you doing this? But his thoughts toward you are plans for hope and a future and peace. As his word declares in Jeremiah 29.11. And so he might say back to you, why are you decreeing the opposite of my word? Have I not given you authority over this? You know, it's what you believe and what you plant. Therein again comes the parable of the seed sower. As you need to plant the righteous seed, continue to water it with faith so that it grows. You know, I spoke to Matthew 12 about the seed, but when you skip ahead one chapter and look at Matthew 13, we read about the parable of the weeds. You know, to quote verses 24 through 29, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the seeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into the bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So you see, it's about God's word being that seed that you planted that sprouts. But then, if you allow it and don't keep up with it, the enemy can come in and steal it. And that becomes the weeds. That's the weeds that come in and invade the crop. So it's all about what you plant, what you sow, and that includes your words. For Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You know, we have to be careful in what we decree. If the Lord is pulling us into his presence and we keep refusing or resisting, all the while decreeing negativity constantly, well then, why would he answer our prayers? You know, if you stop and think about it for a moment, you're counteracting faith with unbelief, which is a sin. Unbelief is actually the greatest sin. You know, Jesus even said, when you look at John 16, verse 9, that the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. You know, in other words, that's not believing Jesus for who he says he is. You know, that in itself is detrimental to your walk with the Lord. And this is another reason we must be aware of these points going forward. For you do reap what you sow, and God is not mocked. And I'm actually going to link to a commentary that goes further into the unbelief being the number one sin on my blog. But for the interest of what I'm talking about, as far as what we believe and decree, 
Let's take a look at Mark 11, verses 23 through 24. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That verse right there is key, ladies and gentlemen. If you get nothing else from this podcast today, remember those words from Jesus from Mark 11, verse 23. The word doesn't say, maybe they will come to pass. It says, those who believe and do not doubt in their heart, but believe that those things he or she says will come to pass. You know, this verse is key for the simple reason that it can work either way on what you actually believe. You know, moving on to verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. I mean, you don't want to be murmuring a prayer or two and be making requests of the Lord out of the one side of your mouth, and then on the other hand, be walking around throwing your hands up saying out of the other end of your mouth that your life is going to hell in a handbasket. Because guess what? If that's what you're decreeing, if that's what you believe, and if that's what you keep saying, then that's essentially what you're sowing. And that's pretty much what you're going to get. You know, many don't understand that. They do it all the time without thinking about it. And we need to consider, you know, this goes back to we need to consider our ways. You know, if you keep walking around saying and thinking something won't happen, and you only know how to decree the negative, then you're eventually going to become convinced that's truly what you believe. And then that's what you're going to end up with. I present this because we need to be learning this now, ladies and gentlemen, because it's about to get very real very soon. And only the Lord's going to be able to help you then. The tongue is one of the most powerful instruments in the body that God gave us, and it can be a blessing for many or a curse for many. You know, James 3 speaks of the tongue and its power if we're not careful. When we start on verse 5, Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. You know, just like you are what you eat, you are what you say. And remember as Jesus stated in Matthew 12, and what I just went over a bit ago, you are either acquitted or condemned by what you say, and that includes your prayer, and the belief on what you say, as I quoted from Mark 11, verses 23 through 24. You know, further going back in the book of James to chapter 1, Scripture lays out where those that are wavering in their faith are as unsettled as a raging sea. You know, putting it into context, James 1, 2 through 8, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. 
But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. That all goes back to the unbelief I was talking about being the number one sin. Their loyalty is divided. So, moving on to verse 12, still in James 1. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. I want you to note verse 18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Believing his true word, not the lies of the enemy. When the enemy comes along and tries to convince us of something, we need to cast it down. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That includes ourselves, not just others. You know, a rebellious thought isn't just any other sin. It can be a thought that is contrary to God's truth, which then leads us into unbelief. And that's why we have to get in the habit of counteracting those rebellious thoughts and handing them captive to the Lord and decreeing his word in place of those rebellious thoughts or those words that would condemn us and tie up our blessings. You know, those rebellious thoughts are in addition to rebellion in the flesh. If you stop and think about it, you have to remember the Lord corrects us through discipline. And if he didn't, then you would question whether or not you truly belong to him. So look at it not strange if things in your life seem to be in limbo right now. Like I said before, the Lord is showing us what needs work. Hebrews 12, verse 7 says, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? You know, that is righteous discipline. You want to be part of that harvest of wheat, which was good seed planted and not infested by the enemy, which is thrown out like a weed when that harvest occurs only to be destroyed because it did not bear a crop worth harvest. You know, it didn't bear good fruit. Same in what you say. You want to be careful about what you declare, what you allow in your life. You know, sometimes there's silence during a test, during a teaching, during a correction, if we get it wrong. It would be the same in a regular school. You know, the only difference is the Lord is working with us. He's refining us as his children. He's refining out those impurities. And, you know, I mention this because 
I've been asked before why the wicked prosper and continue to get away with this, that, or the other while God's people suffer, you know, through various trials. But you have to remember that the Lord disciplines those he loves. You know, taking a look at Proverbs 3, verse 11, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Going on to verse 12, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Think about that. A child in whom he delights. That means even those strong in their walk can occasionally get it wrong. But he corrects us out of his true love for us, and it's to strengthen our endurance. It's whether you submit under the pressure and accept his corrections and teachings that will determine the outcome. Proverbs 24 verse 10 says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. So that's what the tests are about. You know, think of when they might manufacture a tire and they have to fill it with air. They're going to test it out on the track with a vehicle because they have to see if it's going to hold the air. Just like you, you have, the Lord's testing you to see if you were going to hang on his faith through the thin as much as the thick. You know, most people believe for only the good, but then when something bad happens, they start to get mad. But the Lord's teaching you, you have to believe me no matter what. So that ties into Proverbs 3.11, where the word says, don't be upset when the Lord corrects you. He's doing it for your own good and building your faith in the meantime. Consider also that the Lord is allowing you to experience tough situations for that very same reason. The Lord is leading you through the deep waters now to teach you how to swim. Because those who are opposed to him can't swim. And the Lord even says that those who are not with him are against him. And again, it's a building of your endurance. You can't look at it like everything is just punishment for something. It's easy to get caught up in that frame of mind. You can't do that. You may not have even done anything wrong. He may just be showing you something new. It's training. And that is part of correcting the wrong ways of thinking and building that faith up in him where those who learn of his teachings, his divine discipline, will flourish, while those who continue to mock and refuse to come in from the worldly playground will drown in the flood when it arrives. You know, in other words, when that storm arrives that we know is now on the horizon, because they in turn have not and will not learn how to swim. You know, they're not learning the Lord's ways. They're not learning how to strengthen their faith. They're not learning how to believe him for things. Because up until now, they've done everything in their own way. And so when it gets chaotic, are they going to know what to do? We as believers want to know what to do. Because those who don't, they won't know how to believe what they need. Because they rejected that correction and went their own way. Similar to a rebellious and a stubborn child, as you would know it here on the earth. You know, let's consider Isaiah 43 too. Which says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So that verse from Isaiah quoted there, let me ask a question. Is it unreasonable to believe that is what the Lord is doing right now? Strengthening us for the storm. Refining out the blotches. Seeing the good on the other side that comes out of it. 
I believe it. And you know, again, remember back to James 1 verse 2 in this case, and let's read it again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See to it, brothers and sisters, that when your faith is tested, that you don't fall into the trap of taking it the wrong way. You know, you don't want to be running around going, ah, everything's over. It's like, no, you don't want to do that. You know, that's, you don't want to be declaring the opposite of what you truly believe in righteousness. You've come too far for that. You know, remember what Job went through. You know, God allowed the devil to do pretty much everything to him except kill him. And it was all a building of his endurance, a true testing of his faith, as he was a man of faith. No, that endurance, that same type of endurance is going to be needed. So if you are in a difficult situation, consider it is the Lord's glory. It is his mercy on you. You know, take a look at Psalm 77, 19 in comparison. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You know, those who wouldn't accept the correction lost their way. They didn't know the path was there. They knew not of the righteous path because they refused to even try to find it. They refused to store up the oil for their lamps. And, you know, for contrast on that point, we could take a look at Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. Starting on verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And you know, again, that's those who chose the wrong way. Their thoughts were rebellious, and they refused to turn around. They're doing things in their own power, their own might, their own way. Going the righteous way, turning around, heeding the Lord's calling, you know, that's repentance. That's learning from your mistake and getting it right. You know, you're, you're submitting, you're building up that endurance. And, you know, another reason, you know, it just occurred to me, another thing the Lord is getting us ready for, he's showing us this now and what we decree and what we think and correcting our wrong ways of thinking is because when they release the mark and they crash this economy, which is inevitable, it's going to happen. You know, I don't know if any of you have seen the stock market the last few days. It's been going way down. It dropped by, I think, what was it? 900 points on Monday or Tuesday? You know, whether that happens or war occurs, they're ultimately at some point going to launch the mark. And there are going to be many who do not know the right way. They're not going to know that right path. But you, as the Lord's true children, you're being shown now to correct the wrong ways of thinking to decree for what you're going to need to know how to believe the Lord for it. So, you know, let me repeat it again. I, I, don't, I don't want to digress too far off point here, but Matthew 7, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. Note it says choose. You're being given a choice. You know, going on in verse 14, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road, and that's the pathway again, is difficult and only a few ever find it. You know, the Lord is rounding up his sheep and saying, this is the way, 
follow me. Learn what I'm trying to teach you now for the better. This is the correct way of thinking despite the roaring waves around you. Focus on me. Focus on my words. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our challenge. As true brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we need to be doing. As the word says, only a few ever find it. And you know, many have dismissed Christianity altogether or have only chosen to believe halfway. And this is a lot of the reason that we're in the mess we're in. But remember, the Lord chastens, and chasten meaning to correct, he chastens those he loves, and it all starts on correcting those wrong ways of thinking so that we understand where our faith really is, and that there are ramifications as to what we believe and decree. You can believe and decree what's good, or you can decree and believe what's bad. But learning what you're doing wrong, you know, it's all part of the humbling. It all comes together. And it all begins in the mind. You know, looking at Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. You want to learn how to resist the enemy's advances now. The sooner, the better. But going on in verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, holding up that shield of faith, you know, that's standing strong when the enemy tries to convince you of something that you know is not true, that you know is the opposite of the word. You know, all of these verses from Ephesians 6 are key because they pertain to referencing the truth of God's word, but specifically verse 14, stand your ground. That is, do not waver in your belief or your faith, putting on the belt of truth. God's word, and the body armor of God's righteousness. That is allowing his word to transform our thoughts and our hearts for the better so that we will be in the habit of living it outright without thinking twice about it. Because without the truth, how can you have the peace that's in verse 15? Everybody accepts the good news in Jesus, but then they don't want to put into practice everything else. You have to know that it's all tied together. You see, these are the things the Lord is drawing his children in to learn right now. The Lord is giving his children, his students, homework to do. These are tests, and they are ones that you want to study for, reflect on, and pass when the opportunities present themselves. And by those opportunities, I'm referring back to the key verses I gave you earlier from James 1, specifically verses 2 through 4. Let's read it from the King James this time. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. You know, verse 4 is key there. 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, meaning you will understand and not be in lack. You'll know how to decree his word for your every need. And if you need help with that, guys, you know, you know, get a promise book, get a um, God's promise for your every need. I, there's plenty of books out there. They'll give you specifically the verses for every single thing you might encounter that you would have to recite the word for. Even if you're good at Bible study, it's a good tool to have. But, you know, knowing the word, knowing the truth, you won't be quick to answer a situation or a temptation in the wrong way. You know, if you lack wisdom, depending on what your situation may be right now, ask the Lord. You know, cry out for that spiritual nourishment. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. You know, he's not standing there with a whip going and waiting to beat you over the head for just learning how to put it into practice. You know, it's all about correcting you and training you in the right way so that you are getting stronger in your faith. You know, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, and this is quoting 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, that physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So on that verse, I want you to also think back to that verse from John chapter 10, verse 10, I presented in the beginning when Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It's what you know. It's what you say. It's what you believe. And, you know, I read earlier from Jeremiah 29, 11, but in verse 12, when the Lord says, I will hearken unto you, that means he will hear your prayers attentively, but you can't pray and then think he won't come through. That's being double-minded. You know, the Lord answers faith, and that is the key thing you have to remember. So, like I said in the last episode concerning having the oil in your lamp, examine your steps and consider it could be actions or unbelief that may be derailing you. And he's trying to show you that. You know, like I was just saying a second ago, focus on the Lord's promises. That verse alone from John 10, verse 10, you could even recite out when the enemy tries to get his digs at you. You know, you simply say out loud, not today, Satan, Jesus came that I may have life and have it more abundantly. You know, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about what you believe and the habits of what you put into practice in faith and what proceeds from your mouth. Now, for those of you who have been putting this into practice already, then understand it might just be a simple patience test. (laughs) You know, and believe me, I'm all too familiar with those in that case. You know, just keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing. Endure it and keep believing because oftentimes those are designed to build up your faith even more. You know, and sometimes depending on what you're praying for, the Lord has to go ahead of us. And there's reasons that requests cannot be answered right away. Or in this season we're going into, it could be for your own protection or it may not be his will. You know, either way, take it in stride. I'm personally waiting on the Lord to answer some prayers I've been taking to him for a while now, but I have not given up. I have not given up faith. I have not given up hope, and neither should you. He will take delight so long as we are remaining faithful to him. So do not worry 
if you don't get it right at first and you might slip up a few times and you know you have to start putting it into practice you have to get it right you have to work on it just like anything else that's all i have for you this week i pray this podcast is and has been a blessing to you thank you for listening and until next time take care of yourselves out there and may our lord jesus bless you for being faithful to him have a great week everyone <laughs>